I think that the main reason why most people struggle to get ahead financially is because they're consistently in a rush to make money. Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where I share mindset, lifestyle, and business hacking tips, tools, and some painful lessons along my journey from growing my businesses and also working with some of the top entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professional athletes. If you don't know who I am, I'm Michael Mojo. I'm the founder of Mojo Human Performance Institute. We focus on business mindset and lifestyle hacking for driven mofos. Now, the reason why I'm doing these videos is because most people waste their life and I just don't want you to be one of them. So anyway, these are my tips and some of the things that I'm learning on my journey as well, especially as an entrepreneur, but also a lot of the things that I've learned along the way from working with everyone from professional athletes to rich listers, right through to mums and dads and a whole bunch of other people who attend our seminars and events and a lot of other people that I meet who make massive mistakes with human behavior behavior and their own psychology and things that I think will help. So anyway, what I wanted to talk about today was a lot about being or a lot about money and wealth creation really because I just see so many people making so many bad mistakes or getting drawn into stupid things that happen when markets are going up or going down. The I guess the carrots that are dangled in front of people to try and get ahead quick and skip steps, which normally leads them to losing money and someone else making money off of them because of their own ignorance. And I hope that some of these tools will help. So look, I think that most people are in a rush to make money, which causes them to stay broke. I really think that mistakes love rush decisions and that is consistent. I know Alex Mosey talks a lot about that as well. Um, but mistakes love rush decisions. And when we're rushing to get ahead financially, we tend not to think through things effectively. We tend to try to jump steps and it's not a good way if you do want to get ahead financially. And I'm going to talk about some of the key things that have helped me to get ahead financially as well over the last, especially eight years. Uh, I think in my early twenties, uh, in my twenties, I spent the majority of my income on learning because I knew that the more that I learned, the more that I could earn. And I remember hearing Robert Kiyosaki, I think, I, I believe it was who said that. Um, the earning is learning, especially in your early years. And if you're a business owner, like it's such an important thing because you have to get good at marketing. When you're in startup, you have to get good at marketing. You've got to get good at sales. You've got to get good at communication. Then as you start to scale, you've got to then get good at leadership. Sometimes you've got to get good at management or operations. You've got to get good at financials. So there's just so much learning that has to go on in a business as it grows. Now, if you're someone who doesn't own a business, but is working for someone in business, there's probably multiple things that you've got to manage in your own life. Like I would assume that if you want to be good at health, then you've got to learn more about health. If you want to have a strong mindset and mental health, then you need to learn about mindset and mental health. I always say in my events that your ignorance is always your greatest hindrance. So any area where you're being hindered in life, it's normally due to your ignorances. And that just means that you've got to learn more in order to bridge those gaps. So when it comes to money and wealth creation, your ignorance is always going to be your hindrance. And I think that especially right now, I mean, we're in a market where things are inflating so quickly. Uh, I know that there's a house down the street from ours that um, is about the same size and it's going for a million dollars worth uh, more than our house. So it's, uh, I guess you could say it's almost doubled in price over the last two years, two and a half years, which is crazy. What I do know is that humans are pretty pre uh, predictable, which also means that markets are pretty predictable because humans drive markets. And um, something that I learned a long time ago is that human behavior essentially drives economies. If you want to get wealthy, understanding human behavior is such an important factor because when you have a look at the share markets, let's just use shares as an example. Markets or even companies will tend to go up and down in price, especially in the short term, because of the volatility of the people that are buying and selling the asset. And the same thing can happen in housing markets. 
prices can be inflated when consumers get too excited and they feel too safe and banks are lending more and more money and there's all this consumer confidence. That confidence then comes with people wanting to pay for pay more because they think that things are always going to go in that up direction. And then when things start going down, people think that things are going to be worse than what they are. So then they overreact. And these are pretty predictable human behavior patterns. And um, that's why I think that human behavior, understanding and learning human behavior and um, you know a lot of the stuff that I go through in these videos or at my events and stuff like that is absolutely awesome because you're going to use this if you really want to get ahead financially. And also make sure that you're not being taken advantage of. Anytime market, are are inflated and when there is I guess you could say a bubble if you want to call it that but when there's a lot of money being thrown around in the economy you always tend to get sharks and those sharks are always going to come in there and get prey wherever they can and we're starting to see it especially uh, it's happened quite a bit in the crypto markets as well where we're starting to get uh, Ponzi schemes and some of the earlier companies uh, actually I won't say earlier companies because crypto has been around uh, or Bitcoin has been around for a while now but over the last two to three years you know we're starting to see more things like Ponzi schemes people running all these courses on how to get rich on crypto and everyone's selling their their you know expertise or whatever it is but a lot of it is just gambling like there's a lot of courses out there that are just everyone looks like a champion when markets are going up and you can't lose something that i learned years ago is that when markets are going down or they're bottomed out the people who are making money then they're the people you probably want to learn off of like if you have a look at great people that i love to read their books a lot of the books over there are from people like warren buffett and charlie munger who have consistently had economic gains and massive gains when markets are going up, when markets are going down, and when all those volatilities are there, they just keep riding it out and you know they their wealth has just consistently expanded. Whereas when everything goes up, I mean anyone can look like a hero because if the markets are going up, you can be as dumb as put your money in and you'll still make money. In the property market, if you put your money in and housing prices are going up, you can essentially buy anything and you will still look like a champion. The question is what happens when the markets go down? And if you don't understand risk and you don't understand risk reversal and you don't understand contracts and all of those sort of things, then you might get caught with your pants down. And Warren Buffett always says this. It's uh, One of his quotes is, it's not until the tide goes out that you realize who's swimming naked. And I think that's that can happen a lot. So anyway, these are some of the quick little things that I've learned. So if you're a business owner, um, this is really important because I do have a lot of business owners who come to our events and they go, you know, Michael, I want to start investing in shares or I want to start investing in property or what do you think of crypto or what do you think of this and that? I think that's the wrong question to start with. And you've probably heard some of my other videos on questions and questions really lead you to answers. If you ask a question, you're probably going to get a answer. So you want to make sure that you're asking effective questions that are empowering and are leading you to the right answer that you want for your life. The first question I believe that you want to ask when you're starting off in investment or when you want to invest is what is it that I really love to do and what are my priorities in life? In my Thrive Time event, the reason why I created that event was because I was consistently volatile mentally and emotionally, even though I'd spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on personal development and learning and growth and advisors and mentors and coaches and all those things. I was going around in circles mentally and emotionally. I'd have all these, you know, amazing times and I'd go to all these motivation events and I'd get all jacked up and fist pump the air and I'm going to take over the world and all of this stuff. And then all of a sudden I'm broke again and financially I was in a rut and feeling like I have a clear success map for my life. I didn't understand what I was trying to achieve and I didn't understand the direction that I was heading in. And because when I was younger, I was heavily influenced by a lot of other people as well. I thought that, you know, I wanted a massive super yacht and all those things, although I wouldn't mind one, but you know, it's not a priority in my life. I don't really care about that stuff. Um, cars, on the other hand, different story, but um, you know, that's just, it's not something that 
even really bothers me. I'd rather just hire one if I can, give it back to whoever it is and they can fix it uh, and do whatever they need to do. But um, that's what I thought I wanted because I got overindulged in that sort of lifestyle. And so that was a massive mistake that I made. But also I was unclear of what I wanted. When I got clear on what I wanted and things like my values or my purpose or my mission in life. And I started building out my success map, which is a lot of the stuff we go through in that event. And I started putting the 11 steps together um, of what it really takes to live a successful and highly valuable life where you feel, feel fulfilled waking up every day and you get out of bed and you go, right, what are we going to tackle today? And you do those things. You actually enjoy working. You enjoy the things that you love to do because you set your life up that way. I think most people work so that they don't have to work, but that's because their life set up wrong in the first place. If you're working to not work, then your priorities are all wrong. You're doing the thing that you don't enjoy in order to get a, and you're you're wanting weekends and you're wanting public holidays and you're wanting you know retirement because you want to get away from the wrong decision in the first place, which was your career. And it's not working for you at this stage. Maybe, maybe it might change later on. I don't know. The first thing you want to do is you want to get clear on what direction do you want your life to go in? What are you trying to achieve? When you do that, then you need to figure out what's the investment strategy look like. Now, if you're a business owner worrying about an investment strategy before you're at least making a couple of million dollars a year and you've got a nice stable income personally for yourself, then I don't think that that's a good idea or unless you're taking large amounts of drawings or whatever it is, the best thing that I have seen is leaving money in the business for as long as you can so that you can invest it into the right things. Now, I do think that you should pay yourself a wage early on, but that wage should be relatively low because the... I guess the operational value of the company is still fairly low and you want to try and leave as much as you can in the business to an extent. Uh, and different people disagree with this, but I mean, if you leave 100% in the business and the business goes bankrupt, which is a high likelihood, business is a high risk uh, a high risk investment strategy. And just to make clear, I hear all these entrepreneurial coaches make it sound like entrepreneurship is this amazing thing. Entrepreneurship is dog shit. If you're an entrepreneur and a business owner, you're essentially waking up every morning to go to war. Like it is literally a war. You're at war with yourself. You're at war with your own mindset. You can be at war with your family as well because you work extended periods of time and it's really, really stressful. Then you've got customers that you've got to deal with and not that you need to be at war with them, but you've got to deal with customer problems. You've got to deal with legal issues. You might have to deal with financial issues. And it might, might not be financial issues, but contracts and stuff like that. So you have to be super dedicated to that thing for an extended period of time for it to work. And you've got to learn a lot really, really quickly. And you have to be very adaptable and learn things and unlearn things and so on. And that's part of the process. But if you're starting a business and you're just getting ahead and you're starting to pull cash, that might come back and bite you in the bum. So that's the first strategy. The second thing is that as you start to make more money, then, you, then you're starting to either take drawings or you're taking a wage or whatever it is part of that wage should be going straight into an investment account in some way, shape or form. So I would always recommend a minimum of 10% of whatever you earn goes into some form of savings account at first. Now, the first step that I believe everybody should do is always have available cash flow. This is just my preference, but there are different people who disagree and there are people who make way more money that than I make and they say that money is worthless and there's no point to it. But what I do know is that you can't spend your house in most cases. You can't spend a lot of you know, illiquid assets, uh, by the way, that's not liquid, that's illiquid assets, um, <clears throat> that, you know, it takes a while to sell. So your house might take six months to sell. So it's hard to get cash. What I have found though, is that if you understand neuroscience, there's different parts of the brain. And when I think about how important safety is to feel safe and to feel, and to make sure that that survival response doesn't kick in, because you make different choices when you're in survival, 
than when you're thriving. Now, when you're thriving, normally what will happen is the prefrontal cortex, which is the most evolved part of the brain, it's sometimes spoken as the executive center, comes online. We can forward think, we can forward plan, we're more objective in our thinking, um, we're less volatile in our thinking. <clears throat> so that tends to happen when we feel safe and secure. When we drop down into the amygdala, and it's a bit more of the emotional center or the limbic system, sometimes it's called, we tend to be more reactive um, and not so much proactive. We tend to be more volatile. So we, you know, when everything's going well, we'll tend to over-celebrate and think that it's always going to be that way. Then when it goes, you know, when we're in an unsafe environment, we will tend to think that things are always worse than what they are and that they're going to be like that for a long, long time. And so people who tend to operate out of their amygdala are more volatile, they're more explosive, uh, they tend to overreact to things, uh, they tend to worry more, they tend to stress more. Now, this isn't a good position for investing. If you let your emotions drive your investments, you're in a bit of trouble. Uh, because uh, I remember a friend of mine telling me this years ago, and I don't know where he got it from, but he said when emotions are high, intelligence is low. Now, that doesn't mean that your emotions, because uh, I have some people at my event say, yeah, but I... I'm intelligent, but I'm also have emotions. What I'm saying is in the moments that your emotions are high, your intelligence is low. If you're in an argument and you're emotional in that argument, you'll say the most ridiculous because your emotions are high. And then afterwards, when you think through it, you go, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. So when your emotions are high, your intelligence is low because you're using different parts of the brain. So you get more blood flow and oxygen and glucose to the amygdala or to the emotional centers or the limbic system of the brain which then down-regulates the blood flow and the glucose and the oxygen to the prefrontal cortex and to the executive center of the brain. When you're more balanced in your thinking and you're not in survival mode, then you tend to be more stable. You think through things more effectively. You're more objective. You see both the upsides and the downsides. You see what might go right, what might go wrong. So if you don't have available cash flow, let's say you've got, I'm just using round numbers. You've got $100,000 and you put $100,000 straight into the share market and shares go up. And then within two weeks, they drop by 20%. And now your $100,000 is worth, it went up to 105 and then it dropped 20%. So now you're down 15%. Now in your brain, your brain's going, oh shit, what happens if it keeps going in that direction? So now you start freaking out, you're worried, you know, what's going to happen? And maybe business starts struggling a little bit because maybe there's an economic, uh, you know, something rattles the economy. And now you're starting to freak out. You can't sleep at night time. You can't focus on your business. You're worried. You're stressed out. You can't have a good conversation with your partner. All of these things happen because there's no safety net. Now, I don't even think that it really should be called a safety net because people think that in a rainy day, then I'll spend it. But it's not, it's not a rainy day fund. Okay, what I think about is I would recommend for most people, and I'm not a financial advisor, so this is not financial advice in any way, shape, or form. But something that I learned years ago was that someone said to me, you should have a minimum of three months worth of income available at any point in time, especially if you're a business owner, because if something goes wrong in the business, you've got three months to get back on track at your current lifestyle. Now, if you reduce your lifestyle, then it changes the amount of money that you need. So you might be able to go for four months or five months without earning an income, which then allows you to get back on your feet. When I did that, I saved three months, uh, or myself and my wife saved for three months, then we saved six months, then we saved nine months, and then we saved a minimum of 12 months. And so most of the time, we keep 12 months of available cash flow at any point in time at our current lifestyle. Then we have a buffer for the business as well, because sometimes, you know, more money goes out than comes in and, you, you know, you have times like Christmas and so on for us where there's more money going out than coming back in. So I like to have that buffer because then what happens is I don't freak out about sales and stress about money all the time. I can actually focus on growing the business and I can focus on what needs to be focused on 
and I can be a lot more objective instead of stressing all the time, which is how I used to be, especially in the business um, a couple of years ago. I used to stress a lot about money because we didn't have that um, available buffer. That's what I learned years ago. And then after that, when um, I had that available cash flow, then I started putting it into investments. But what I would do would was that I would wait until the right opportunity comes up and then I would invest. But what happened was I started investing in things that were a bit more volatile. And what I noticed was that the volatility of the markets, so I started investing in crypto um, a couple of years ago um, when it was uh, not as popular as what it is now, I guess. And what I noticed was that when everything was going up, I was looking at my phone multiple times per day and I was getting excited because everything was going up and it looked like I was making heaps of money and then it would drop quite dramatically and then I'd freak out and sh what happens if I'm losing money and you know I was up by a couple hundred thousand dollars and now it's down by you know 50 or 60 and what what's going to happen now like I've just wound off 50 grand straight away like within a week so these volatilities I noticed were starting to make me more volatile as a person and it was distracting me from my core competency which is human behavior and business what I had to do was I really had to ask the right questions and go, what is the right investment strategy for me right now? And what I noticed was that looking at my phone consistently, watching where the markets were going up and going down wasn't an effective strategy. So when I reassessed it, I went, what is going to work for my life and where I want to be now? Now, I know that some people are going to write there and go, well, you know, you're using the wrong strategy. Okay, but this is working for me and this is what I enjoy doing now because I like to invest in things that I don't even have to worry about. I just invest in them and I'll, you know, Maybe in my 60s, I'll, I'll withdraw the cash. But for me personally, I love investing in shares. And the majority of the time, um, I, I buy blue chip stocks um, or I invest in indexes. And then I just let it go and I reinvest the dividends and that's all that happens. And so every month, I essentially go in and buy shares whenever I'm ready. I do it in a couple of different ways and I'll, I'll explain this in a little bit more, more detail, I think, so that it doesn't freak everybody out. But what I do is if I have certain opportunities to buy shares at a good price, then I will buy them. But most of the time, especially lately, the markets are up like the majority of my shares are up by 70%. So, um, you know, uh, or my overall portfolio just in two years. So the markets are going crazy. Normally you're looking at about 8 to 10% return per year. So they're definitely uh, overinflated, I would say at the moment based on my research. It could be wrong, but that's, you know, what I've seen. Um, I think normally the US markets go up by about eight to 10% per year on average over the last hundred years or so. Because it's gone up so much, I know that the markets are definitely getting inflated. The good thing is though that dividends are quite high, which is a, uh, you know, they get reimbursed or, or um, reinvested back in um, to those shares again anyway. So that just keeps building my share portfolio more and more every quarter um, when the dividends get paid out in most cases. But also if there is an opportunity to buy something because something has dipped, then I'll go in and buy them. But what I'll do is every month, I normally go in and just buy uh, indexes um, just because it, it does, it's called dollar cost averaging so over time it averages anyway even whether the market goes up or down over time share markets in most cases um, providing you're in a decent economy will normally go up by x percent over time that's what i do but i also every month if the markets aren't dropped like back in i think it was 2000 and i reckon it was maybe april or may uh, there was a massive dip. Uh, I reckon it was like down by 30%, 35% on average that year. So um, yeah, it had a 30% dip. So I went in and bought a heap that in that moment because I knew that it was down by 30%. So essentially everything was 30% discounted. So I will keep a bit of extra cash as well for those things that happen. So anyway, that's normally how I invest. But the good thing is that I don't have to worry about it. So I don't really even open and check or look or anything. I might open it once a week or once a month and just have a bit of a look. Or if I'm, if I'm needing to buy more shares, then I'll go in and I'll, I'll 
maybe might spend half a day looking. But other than that, I don't even really worry about them. They're not even on my perspective because I don't want something that's volatile because I know that if you make money in volatile ways, you'll have a volatile mindset and that volatile mindset will be reinforced by the volatile ways that you invest. My business is first. That's what I love. That's my number one source of income. So you've got to identify what's your number one source of income first. If you want to be a share trader or an options trader or a currency trader, like a foreign exchange trader, a Forex. If you want to do those things, then that's a full-time job and that's a full-time role and you spend your time doing that. You need to identify what your number one source of income is because if you don't do that, what will happen is that your second source of income may be the distraction that pulls you away from your number one source of income and then that source of income starts to pants. And that's what happens a lot of the time in business when business owners start going out and they start doing property investing and developing. The company that they've already built that's doing well and growing then stops growing or it downsizes because they're starting to get distracted by other things. And business owners, especially entrepreneurial type people, love distractions. They love new things. They love exciting things. But that's also the thing that stops their business from going uh, growing. It's the boring things that tend to create the greatest growth over long periods of time. New and exciting things are only new and exciting for a while until the next new and exciting thing comes along. So it's just something to be aware of. If you're a builder and you're doing developments on the side, that's almost like there's a correlation there between those two things. So normally you can manage them both together. But if you're doing property development and doing crypto at the same time, then that's a completely different thing. And most of the time it will create more volatilities and there's a lot you've got to learn and it will pull you away from your number one source of income, which will be developments. And then that just creates a show with your wealth financially from what I've seen. And I, like I said, I've, um, some of you, if you've been listening to these podcasts or these episodes for a while, you know, I've been fortunate enough to work with rich listers, uh, some large property developers, um, some different types of investors, families that have inherited uh, extreme sums of money and things like that. They'll normally come to me for mindset work or, um, you know, working on human behavior or human performance, or, you know, it might be even working on their business as well from a human behavior perspective. You know, I have seen these things work and I've seen these things not work. And there are consistent patterns of things working. There are consistent patterns of things not working. And it seems that there's a consistent pattern of things working of focusing on your number one source of income. And then just, if you're going to invest, invest in things that work more off to the side passively. I don't like using that term because people use passive income in different ways. Very rarely is anything passive. Normally, you've got to look at them, work and understand them. Just uh, be aware of those. Please don't be distracted away from your number one source of income because that will eventually bite you in the bum. Um, just some other key things as well is that most people invest in things that distract them from their primary source of income. So you want to be careful with that. Speculation first is stupid. So don't, don't get into speculation investments first. Something that I learned years ago, and I think it might have come from Robert Kiyosaki. It may have also come from uh, T. Harv Eker or something like that. Start first with low risk, low reward in your investment strategy first. And then from there, build and earn the right to speculate. Uh, a lot of people jump into speculation first because you can make a lot of money, but also you can lose a lot of money as well. So when you've got people who are speculating, like let's say it might be crypto trading, if you're putting every cent that you have into those things, a lot of that is speculation. And that's fine. There are definitely, like right now, the markets are booming. Um, depending on when you're listening to this, I might, might not be, but um, when I recorded this, the markets are essentially booming. And you know, so money is being printed by the Federal Reserve and and so on. So um. Yeah, but I've seen lots of people who made lots of money in crypto and that's fantastic, like good on them. But at the same time as well, it is speculation. It's speculation trading and why markets are going up, it's great. But when markets drop pretty quickly, um, now some people say it's not speculation, um, but I don't know. I, I, 
I don't think there's a lot of data. Whereas when you're having a look at things like property, property's been around for a long, long time. Markets can become reasonably predictable. And it's all a probability game. When we're talking about speculation versus investing, we're talking about probability. There is a high probability that over time house prices go up, especially if you're around large cities, um, maybe not in little country towns and so on. Sometimes that happens, especially in mining, but that can be very volatile and very speculative as well. Speculation most of the time is, I, I think of them as more high risk, high reward. Whereas when you're investing in something like shares or you're investing in things like property, there's a fairly good, uh, there's fairly good data there where you can make fairly decent predictions. And I think that's the difference between speculation versus proper investing and um it normally a lot a lot of the time has to do with the amount of research that can be done and also the probabilities. But everyone has their own opinion on that, and I'm sure there's going to be a whole bunch of people in the comments as well having having different cracks and different ideas of those things. But you know, it's up to you. And at the end of the day, what really matters is that you learn from your mistakes and that you go through the process of learning. Look, it doesn't matter what you invest in because if you invest in speculation first, then you're responsible for that. You can blame, complain, and justify and say, well, f other people taught me this sh and I'm going to blame it on them. But all you've done is you've just pushed away the learning so you'll probably make that mistake again. When I was younger, I did speculation trading for a while. I did foreign exchange. I did um, options trading. I did all those things. And all that happened was there were times where I made lots of money. Well, what I thought was lots of money back then. And I also lost lots of money. And over time, I walked away and I was probably about the same as what I started with. Whereas once I started investing in, you know, in shares and started properly investing and really understanding what I was doing and what makes a good company and what doesn't, and the human behavior of the economies and the markets and so on, then you know it became quite easy and the risk was a lot lower and uh, the returns were a lot higher, but not as high as what I would do is if I was speculation trading. And when I was doing crypto back in the day, you know that did make me a good return, but that was also speculation. I was prepared to lose that money, whereas uh, I would hate to lose the amount of money that I have in shares um, because it's uh, a, a substantial amount for most people, not for everybody, but for most people. But anyway, I hope that helps. Um, please remember that ignorance is always a hindrance and in a bull market, everyone is a genius. So just be careful of that stuff because at the moment, the bull market's going that way and it hasn't downturned into a bear market yet. So um, like Warren Buffett said, when the tide, it's not until the tide goes out that you see who's swimming naked. Just be careful because at the moment we are in a bull market. Everyone looks like a genius. People printing a lot of money. I shouldn't use that terminology, but people making a lot of money. Um, and then they're selling their tips and their trading advices and how you too can make all this money. But at the same time, everyone looks like a genius in a bull market. And if, you're, if you've lost a lot of money in a bull market, you're doing something wrong. Anyway, I hope that helps. Please remember to subscribe, like, and share as most people will waste their life. And I just don't want you to be one of them. Also remember, everyone, never underestimate the dream. Keep pushing hard, keep living with mojo. And anyway, I hope you have a great week and I hope you enjoyed this video. Remember to hit that subscribe button.